to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Romans in chapter 8 regards to how much we want to do right. We in this life will never be all that we could have been for the Lord. There are three things found in the book of Romans chapter 8. You find a word mentioned three times. And the word is groaning. The groaning. Groaning and travailing. And yet it's talking to us about having victory. Seems like a a paradox, a contradiction. Now I want you to look there in verse 19 of Romans chapter 8. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now there's two things here. The one, the word creature, is referring to the creation of the world itself. This world is waiting for something. You see, in the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was nothing wrong with the environment. There was nothing wrong with the earth. There was nothing wrong with the trees and the grass and the birds and the flowers and the animals and all that. Everything was right. There was nothing wrong with any of the creation of God. There would have been no death. We wouldn't have had to worry about that. But because man had sinned, well then, because we sinned, and God had put us in charge of the earth to have dominion over it, well, because of the sin of man, the fall of man, God cursed the earth. So the earth has been cursed. Now, in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man... Be in Christ. He is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Should there be a change in a Christian's life? I believe that there is a change automatic, but it's not revealed until the man yields to the Lord. In other words, every person who trusts Christ as Savior, something has happened to him. He has been given a new birth. He is born again, and he does have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That is a difference. That is a change, but it's not a visible change until the man is able, by this new birth, to control the old one. And if he doesn't control the old birth, then you will not see a change in a person's life. But should a Christian have a change in his life? Well, yes, that's what this whole thing's about. Change, something happening. And there's many people who trust Christ as Savior and there's never visibly a change in their life that shows you that their new birth is alive and well. We know the old nature is alive. 
and well. But now go back to Romans in chapter 8. And it says in verse 20, For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. In other words, because we were subjected to bondage in this world and the slavery of the old sinful nature and the lust of the flesh and the eyes and so forth, God also subjected the environment. So it also is waiting and hoping. See, it also has, as the Bible says, it's almost like the world has a mind and the world can think and the world can reason. The world wants something better. Well, the Lord says the creation of the world is waiting for something to happen. And then you'll notice it makes a statement there in verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So we know that the creation of the world groans. And then it makes the statement about in verse 23 that we, the sons of God, also groan. And it says in verse 22, for we know, excuse me, verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting. So the world groans and waits. You and I groan and wait. And then it says there in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, in verse 26, talking about the Holy Spirit, likewise, likewise, like the creation of the world, and like the, the sons of God, those who have trusted Christ as Savior, in verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know that what we should pray, not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with what? Groanings, which cannot be uttered. So here we have the creation groans, you and I, the sons of God, groan, and the Holy Spirit groans. Well, it's interesting about the Holy Spirit groaning. I can understand you and I groaning. If you look there in verse 18, where it says, And I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But that time isn't yet. But there is a time of suffering. We are groaning. Now, one day... Of this world is going to be delivered. And it uses the word groan and travail. Groaning has the idea of looking backwards. Travail has the idea of looking forward. We groan because of what has taken place. You've gone through something, some heartache, some loss, and you groan because of the suffering that you're now going through. Okay, but travail talks about and shall travail with pain is a reference to a woman having a child. And a woman having a child, she has a time that she goes through of a lot of uh, suffering and the, the hurt and the pain. And as time goes on, those pains increase. And she's laboring and in travail and in pain until the child is delivered. Well, now, 
one looks back and one looks forward. Well, when it talks about the creation groaneth and travails, and it says that. So the world itself is groaning because of the curse that was put upon it. But that's not the way God intended. You see, God created a good world. There was no sin. There was no problems. And everything was fruitful. And it would have been so nice, so wonderful. But there is coming a time where we're going to have oh, that changed. It's not going to be like that forever. You see, it was good and became bad. It's not going to stay like this. God says that the creation is in travail like waiting to be delivered. Like a new birth, a new creation. Something new is going to take place. Now, we could have had everything upon the earth take place. The Lord could come back, take us to be with Him, and then just start the new heavens and the new earth. But it would not have solved the problem. What happened to this earth that God made and bringing forth this righteousness upon the earth and everything being wonderful without that thousand years that God's going to have. The thousand years is like a must because it's part of the overall plan. Don't want to leave that out. Wouldn't you like to have lived in the Garden of Eden? You will. Because the whole earth is going to be like the Garden of Eden for a thousand years. We will be here. But the earth is waiting to be delivered into something wonderful. But it has to wait. It's waiting for the sons of God to get things right. So that's why he makes the statement here in verse 19. For the earnest expectation, the joyful anticipation of the creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So it's waiting on us. So we get to go first. See, the earth was right and man messed it up. So man has to get right before the creation of the world can be made right again. See, God is so organized. He's so disciplined. And he has everything in order. Everything has to be right. And when you study the Bible, it just blows your mind when you start seeing some of these things. But notice what he says. He says there in verse 20, For the creation was made subject to vanity. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about you and I and that everything is vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, like, if there was no God, what's the purpose of life? Without God, what's the purpose of the world? What's the purpose of anything? Even the earth would have no purpose. The trees, they're real no purpose because it would be all just a, an accident without God. There's no purpose for animals. They just happen to exist. And maybe we came from some one-celled amoeba. Maybe some common ancestor. You know, like a monkey. Well, I don't believe I came from an ape. I don't believe you did either. I said before my ancestors may have hung by the neck, but they didn't hang by the tails. The world is going to be changed, but it's waiting on something. It's waiting upon the sons of God to be changed. Now... Get what he says here in verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered. And the reason we shall be delivered and the creation will be is because look there in verse 24 of chapter 7. When he looked at himself, 
saw the way that he was with his old sinful nature, oh, wretched man that I am, not that I'm going to be, this is the way I am. Who shall what? Those two words. Deliver me. Who's going to deliver me from this? Going forth from this. So the way I am is not the way it's going to be. It's not the way that I want it. And is it possible in this life I could be totally the way that I should be? Can I accomplish really what all I want to accomplish the way God? No. Because of that sinful nature that you and I have. We will battle it all the days of our lives. Now notice what he says here in verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. So we're talking about being delivered from something. The bondage of corruption that's in this world. One day it will not be corrupted anymore. Now you know that if this is what it is concerning creation of the world, it might also mean the same thing when it talks about you and I being delivered. Being delivered from this wretched body that we live in and being delivered from this world and as you look upon the world scene and you notice what's happening over there in the Middle East, it looks like the world is set on a powder cake. Do you realize how easy it could be for the battle of Armageddon to take place? And where is it supposed to take place? In the plains of Jezreel, right there in Armageddon. Right where they are in the north part of Israel, that's where I've been several times. Five times I've been there. And I'm talking about in this great big old plains. And we sit there one day up on Mount Megiddo, and we looked out there, and the guy told me, he said, now watch right down there, because he saw some." And the thing opened up right out of the ground. And an F-16, boom, took off from under that thing, under the ground. They got them all over there. They're not going to have peace in the Middle East without the Prince of Peace. And he ain't come yet. Jerusalem is supposed to be a city of peace, and it's going to be a city of pieces. Because remember, in the future yet, Jerusalem will fall. And the Jews... They're going to try to annihilate them. And it says one-third will be killed, one-third will be taken into captivity, and one-third a remnant will be left in the land. And Jesus will come back. So the whole creation is waiting until that time. Now look there in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Then he says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, the first fruits of the Spirit means that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is the seal that you're in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. He's the earnest payment that you're going to get the rest of it later. See, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That's your security. That is your guarantee. You're a child of God that can never be changed. In this life, you and I, We'll never have all that we're supposed to have or be all that we're supposed to be because we're limited and we have a sinful nature. We won't always do and obey and yield like we're supposed to, 100%. He makes a statement here in verse 23, and not only they, but we're waiting for something. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. That We're waiting for something. We're waiting to be delivered from this body to another body. And if you and I, see, when God saved you, He washed your soul white as snow. But He never touched your body. You still have your sinful nature is in the body. That's why Christ came into the world. Oh, He was perfect, but He had a human body. But He had to have a body where no man, physical man, had anything to put into the body. Though the woman could, because the sinful nature is not passed on by the woman, but by the man. 
And so by not having a man's seed, he did not have a sinful nature in his body. Therefore, he didn't have to worry about that. You and I do. So the day will come, we'll be delivered from the curse of this body. And we're waiting to be delivered from that. But until then, we got to suffer. And we groan. And the longer we stay in this body, the more groaning we're going to do. Anybody been groaning lately? Anybody have any aches and pains lately? Well, just hang in there. You will. Guaranteed. But like the world is waiting, and you and I that live in this body, we're joyfully anticipating this moment. It may be by rapture, my choice, or it may be by death. But remember this. He says there in the book of Philippians in chapter 1, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far, what? Better. So the best in this world is not as good as what we're going to have. That is far better. When he makes a statement in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 4, and when he says we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. But the thing is, we're not there yet. Knowing that I have an inheritance, it's undefiled because everything down here is. And it's incorruptible, but everything down here is. And it fadeth not away, well, everything down here does. Still doesn't tell me what it is. I still have within me a little desire. Well, what is my inheritance? The Bible tells us even in the book of Revelation that there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, but it doesn't tell me what I'm going to get. He says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the thing which God has prepared for them that... He hasn't told us that. He just says what's not going to be there, but he didn't tell me what was going to be there. You know what I got in mind? I, I want to know what is. He doesn't say everything. He just tells us enough to dangle us along. And he says, wait. Hope. It'll be worth it. And so faith is believing that what God said is true. And that nothing in this world can be compared to it. You know, heaven must be something. It's another world. When you notice there in verse 18 when he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But it doesn't say what glory will be revealed, does it? He just says what you're going to have when you get to heaven, there's nothing in this world that you can compare it to. You can say, well, it's going to be like this. No, it's not. There isn't anything. The mind of man will not be able to comprehend this new world. What heaven is really like. So we're waiting until then. But God says, serve me now. Believe in all of this. One day you'll be there and I'm going to reward you with things that you would never dream. That would make everything you went through down here, it'll all be worth it. And so we're waiting for this moment. We groan in this body. Waiting as a woman is going to have a child and it'll be a new life. Remember the Bible tells us this in the book of Romans in chapter 6. That when Christ was buried, you were buried. And as he came back from the dead, even we also should walk in newness of life. We're to live as though I've already got the new life. I just haven't seen my inheritance yet. I don't know what it all is. I haven't got a, a good clue. I just know that it's going to be worth it. And you and I are supposed to live our lives believing that. 
and to serve the Lord now with all we have. And if you really believe what God says, then you'll patiently wait for it. See the last part of verse 25? You'll patiently wait for this moment. Now look there in verse 26. What do you think it means when he's talking here about the Holy Spirit groaneth? Well, if the Holy Spirit is groaning, He's not groaning for Himself, but the Bible does tell us that the Holy Spirit grieves. You can grieve God. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And it makes a statement in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. So you and I are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us is not able to totally possess all of us. Now, He possesses you, but He don't have all of you. See, you have all of the Holy Spirit. When you trust the Lord, you've got all of Him you'll ever get. But He don't have all of you that He can get. Because, you see, Him using us effectively in this life is you and I yielding our lives to Him. But nobody does it perfectly. We already have restraints. We've got problems. We have drawbacks. We have fear. We don't totally do what God says do. There is a groaning in Him because you and I have not yet came forth, produced the way we should. He says that in the Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 6, it makes the statement that He that hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Christ. So He is within us for the purpose of performing. That means if He is performing a work in us, there is a change taking place in us. If you have no changes in your life, it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't have the freedom to work in your life. That grieves God. Because you, see, you and I are not totally limited now to our physical body and our old sinful nature. We have the power of God Himself living within us. And when he makes the statement there in verse 26, in the middle part of the verse says, For the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, to be conformed to the image of Christ. The purpose of the Holy Spirit within you and within me is to conform us to the image of Christ. And that's why he says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, it makes a statement about the where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or where the Spirit is the Lord of your life, then you'll have liberty from glory to glory. From the glory of the law to the glory of the Spirit. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is to change us. Have you ever met people who have trusted Christ as Savior? And you've seen no change in their life? Now, that doesn't mean you should doubt their salvation, but you'll doubt their love for the Lord. You'll doubt a change taking place in the Lord. You'll doubt maturity in their life because of the way they live. See, the Holy Spirit is in me to deliver me from the power of the sinful nature so that I can produce something in my life. But it's not over yet. There's so much more. Look in verse 28. How many people have said, this is my favorite verse in the Bible? And I doubt if they really understand what the verse means. And they just probably stand back and just try to separate the good things and the bad things. The good things and the bad things. The good things are the things they like and the bad things are the things they don't like. That isn't the Bible. He says, for we know that all things work together for good. This is why the Holy Spirit groans. You see, the Holy Spirit 
is to take all the things that happens in our life and make them work together to conform you and me to His image. Because that's what His job is. And whenever we don't yield and we fight against the things that happens in our life and we get bad attitudes and we get ugly toward God, it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't have the freedom to work in our lives. He's not conforming us. And that's His job. That's what He wants. He wants to bring us forth from the way we are in our immaturity as a child of God into an adult, a mature man or a mature woman of God. Every woman in here, would you consider yourself a gracious, godly Christian woman? Would every man consider yourself to be a Christian gentleman, a God-fearing man? Because every one of us should be allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to change us. Because God doesn't want you to stay the way. He wants to bring you forth to deliver you from the power of sin in this life, from the old sinful nature, from the things of the world, from the power of the devil, and make you a strong Christian. And He's greed when you don't yield. Now, you'll notice when He makes a statement here in verse 28, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose after we trust in Christ the Savior? He says in verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be, and you ought to underline these words, conform to the image of His Son. Conform is change. Any way you cut it. When he says in Romans in chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, it means don't let the world make you like the world. But when he says be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, it means let the Word of God change you into something else. Yes or no? Yes, that's what the book says. So should there be changes in a Christian's life? Yes, there should be changes in a Christian's life. That is the only evidence that you can have that the Holy Spirit is working in your life that you are growing in the Lord. And that you have revealed something in your life that maybe wasn't there before. You are conforming to the image of Christ. In other words, you're becoming more and more like the Lord. And yet in this life, you and I will never totally conform to the image of Christ. Not until the day that we leave this body will be changed in a moment. We get that word? Changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and cut up to meet the Lord. That's when our total change will take place. And then you'll have and be all that God wants you to be. You see, you don't change your life to be saved because that would be works for salvation. You don't change your life. You don't promise God you're going to change. You don't have to stop anything, join anything. All you do is just simply as you, best you can. I'm a sinner and I believe Christ died, paid for my sins. I'll trust Him as my Savior. And once you do that, then you are God's child. You have eternal life. You're going to heaven whenever you die. And that's good news. Born into His family. But the work's not over. The Lord is just beginning a good work. Now, get what he says here. In verse 29, Whom he did foreknow, that's the foreknowledge of God. That's an attribute. He also did predestinate. That's an act of God. That's what he does. And so he says that these things that come into our lives, in, in this life, and all these sufferings that we go through, are the very tools that the Holy Spirit 
uses to conform you. Now, what is the attitude that you have toward the things that goes against your grain? How do you handle it? How you doing? Remember, it's a battle right up here in the mind. This is where you either win or lose. If you understand this, you'll know that God is behind this and God can use this to make me a better, stronger person than I was before. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.